0: We sang today, didn't we? That was awesome, and the Lord was with us. So so uh, you should get a, have an outline uh, with your near your seat or somewhere. If you don't, you can wave your hand or get one from one of the ushers or p- people on the side here. Is there anybody that needs uh, an outline? or? Okay, so anyway, uh, the title is, You Give Them Something to Eat. Uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, because I think it's so appropriate for all of us as believers... Uh, to learn how to give away what the Lord gives us, right? And, uh, And he gives us all kinds of things to give away, as it turns out. So we'll see the kingdom come in great power in our area when we realize how absolutely committed God is to using ordinary people for supernatural ministry. I'll say that again. We're going to see great power. We always think, well, oh Lord, bring that, bring your power. And we're thinking that it's going to be this cosmic wind one day, and we're all going to be here to just going to sweep across. You know, that could happen. But, but usually, even that happens. If you look through church history, when, when uh, ordinary people are coming to a place where they're realizing what God has for them, they begin to believe. That God still does things today; He's still supernatural. More importantly, that they can experience that supernatural touch from the Lord and release it. That God can use them. So there's a lot has to, has to do with that has to do with uh, um, knowing that God's absolutely committed to doing that. That this is not an exception or kind of an unusual time. Sometimes in our circles, we're always looking for an unusual time, an unusual flow, an unusual revival. But in God's heart. It's always revival. And <laughs> God's heart. And so it's just on our end, right? What well, we're thinking about it. And so he's absolutely committed to using us supernaturally. Supernaturally. And interestingly enough, supernatural doesn't mean necessarily overly emotional or overly this or that. It, it just means that it couldn't happen by natural means. I've been healed before just with the simplest thing. There I, I was no goosebumps. There was nothing. I just... Walked into church, and then I walked out. And now when I walked out, I didn't have any more pain, right? And I don't even know what hit me. I don't even know how it happened. So this is really, really important that God's absolutely committed to us, committed to doing things for supernatural ministry through us. The first disciples had no super training or preparation. <laughs> Here's the training. Just proclaim the good news and go heal people everywhere, right? That was it, Luke 9.1. When Jesus called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, Take nothing for the journey no staff, no bag, no bread, no megaphones, no money, no extra shirt, no electric system, no sound system, no lights. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out. Went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. I like that part. And healing people everywhere. So that's really, really important. Now, after their ministry trip and this little journey they took uh, in the villages, they came back. And in this particular story, they found 5,000 hungry men, literally men, and who knows how many women and children, and wanted to send them away. Maybe they were tired, I don't know, but uh, they're thinking, What are we gonna get all the you know, they're kinda take care of Jesus and we're you know, I'm sure there's more than one time when they wondered when they were gonna eat. But what in the world are we gonna do now? All these people are here. And Jesus turned to them and says, You know what? You give them something to eat. So to their amazement, five loaves and two fish were hanging around, and they were multiplied in their hands with food left over. Someone wrote a famous book, There's always enough. Who was that? Anybody know? Heidi, right? There's always enough. That's that leftover thing, right? And so those things were multiplied in their hands. I want to just read this story a little bit because I think it's uh, powerful and important and I just, I really like it. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them. Now this is interesting. He gave them to the disciples to distribute, right? He was very purposeful. So that when he gave the food, it was multiplying in their hands, they're looking in the basket and it's still coming right <laughs> He didn't do it from a distance, he didn't do it by air mail or you know he he didn't do it like it fell out of the sky or something it was a, it was definitely uh important for Jesus to give that specifically to them and then they gave the food away and that's the way miracles work by the way God likes to do it that way a lot it's not the only way they come but let me just say from my little seat in and the whole miracle arena through all these years I have noticed that God loves to bring delivery systems uh, and deliver that both for the benefit of the giver And the one that receives. That's why body ministry is so important. That's why spiritual gifts are so important. Jesus gets a kick out of equipping you to do miracles. That's the way this whole thing works. That's why it's so crazy not to be close to church or to a body of believers. It's nuts. Because the delivery system for many miracles, by God's definition, by the way he works it, is it's through other people. Lowly people, dumb people, people that aren't too, like, on top of things, smart people, you know, rich people, poor people. And you never know where the delivery system is, right? I didn't mean to call anybody dumb, but anyway, nevertheless, sometimes I feel really dumb, like last night. Man, I had a really hard time, but anyway, never mind. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Like that's like an exclamation point. Point. I really like it uh, when miraculous happens, and I really like it to give my th- disciples, and I really like them to see I'm a God of abundance and that I have even things left over, right? I guess God was just kind of showing off there, but I think that's really cool, right? Anyway, so. What is the Jesus plan for taking care of the needs of hungry people in our area where we live right here Well two things are certain one it will be impossible <laughs> and two God will use the miraculous to provide We were just talking about the warehouse and uh, of course it's turned into a business but it wasn't always a business it's turned it just was it's a business ministry now but the uh, multiplication that we're seeing right now and saw in the last year Uh, We, we, believe me, we are uh, overwhelmed. There's something supernatural going on right now in there that that defies anything we can kind of come up with to figure out how it happened. And it's been happening like that slowly, 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 but all of a sudden last year, it just began to explode. Uh, Food sources, uh, employees, uh, uh, all kinds of things to sell, crazy stuff to minister uh, and and times of ministry uh, in the warehouse, outside the warehouse, praying for people, uh, all kinds of things. We've been branching into homelessness deeper and deeper. It's just been this amazing multiplication because God likes it and He he likes to use us to do it, right? And uh, for me, uh, with the warehouse and all the other things that we do, uh, uh, it's been impossible. I, I can't see how we got to this place. I know it's miraculous and every step that we take is miraculous. This tent is miraculous. Every step we take and are taking right now with the school is miraculous and all kinds of people that God's brought to help us are miraculous. It's just one big fat miracle. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I actually am really enjoying this time for that. Frankly, I don't even mind the tent because for me it's just one big fat miracle, right? I like, I like to examine miracles for a while. We prayed about it on a Wednesday People saying, well, people all got in their tents and everything. There's no tents all around. On Friday, it was here, up, installed. And somebody paid for it and paid for the installers to do it. and Pretty good job, I think, right? So anyway, a miracle, right? So I, I, I like to hang around miracles, don't you? This is one. So I like to be in here just because it was a miracle. When it gets hot, I won't probably want to hang around here anymore. But... Anyway, anyway, we'll we'll see. I I don't even want to take it down. I just don't know how we can keep it up. But something about it's almost a monument or something. I don't want to let it go. A monument to God's supernatural provision, right? So, so then a little bit later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John's with, with with him on a mountain to pray, and they see Jesus transfigured. That must have been an incredible experience. And, and Moses or Elijah are hanging around too. Oh my. Well, how do you handle that when you're standing there? You know, <laughs> evidently they didn't handle very well because the father had to clear his voice and say, "This is my son whom I chose. Listen to him. Listen to him. Listen to him." Right. And um, anyway, uh, I just think that uh, story is uh, so uh, amazing. I want to read just I want to read those verses a little bit just to. God, give us a feel for it. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up unto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. His clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Now, here's the thing. All right, This is like, how can this happen? But anyway, this shows us our issues, right? Our, our the, the place we find ourselves in. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, <laughs> and it took them a while to become fully awake. They saw his glory, and the two men standing with him. And I guess their eyes were wide open. But everything about this is so human. Hollywood doesn't catch that. Although I gotta admit, this Chosen series, if you've been watching that on YouTube, is pretty good, right? Because it catches human things. I like human things and supernatural things. I don't like supernatural things, you know, super supernatural things and no human in between, right? It's not real, right? I like us in between. And, and I like to be able to have someone just casually say, you know, uh, you know, I think Jesus is going to do this, this, and this next week for you. And then it happens. But there wasn't a bugle. There wasn't a trumpet. There weren't lights swirling around. Just casual word, Right? They became fully awake. They saw his glory, and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, "Master, it's good for us to be there. Let's put up three shelters: one for him. so then it gets real human there, right? One for Moses and one for Elijah. He didn't. It says here, even the Bible says he did not know what he was saying, right? But if I had been in that situation, I probably would have been in that place too. But I like it. I like it that he was so human. You give them something to eat." <laughs> You would think after these events, these disciples would be supercharged and flowing with Jesus. You know, God multiplies food. These guys have this transfiguration experience. But it wasn't the case, interestingly enough. If you read down in uh, Luke chapter 9, same chapter, an argument started, as verse 46, started among the disciples as to which one of them would be the greatest. Aren't you glad this is happening? It gives us a little space, doesn't it? Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is is the one who is least among you, all, who is the greatest. I like those verses. And then, if that wasn't enough, Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he's not one of us. (laughs) <laughs> oh boy oh boy okay, so we look at that and go wow, how dumb, he would I would never do that oh really there are layers and layers of competition between churches competition between pastors you know, kind of looking over there and evaluating them 1 to 10 on their worship yeah, you should go to that church, the worship's like 9, but that other church's worship's 5 but their their message, the word God is like 7, you know <laughs> And <laughs> we get into that, you know, all the time because I don't want to disparage the other church too much. But you know how I like worship, and ours is a nine, you know. <laughs> sometimes even a ten if the Spirit really shows up, right? Or the right worship leader. You know, I give that worship leader, you know, Joe over there, he's a seven. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes I let this other gal in there, and she's like a ten. That's really good. Then there's other people I don't know about, right? So we do it. We do that. Uh, isn't it nice to know that God puts up with us? He didn't disqualify it. He knows about us. And I think he likes it. I think sometimes <laughs> some of these things happen. I mean, at least have to mildly amuse God. You know? And Jesus, we always think of him with sort of a Mona Lisa smile, but I, <laughs> I think he probably, from the inside, got a real kick out of him. You know why? Because he kept hanging out with him. You know? He didn't, like, zap them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with electricity. <laughs> bad response. What a moron. Stop doing that, you know. No. And then it gets worse. When a Samaritan village would not offer them hospitality on their way to Jerusalem, they said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? (laughs) And here's the amazing thing. Who were the two disciples that said that? Does anybody know who it was? James and John. Humble, loving John. <laughs> the one that laid his head on Jesus' breast. Call the fire down on him. I don't want to spend the night in the woods tonight. Don't you know who he is and we are? right? <laughs> but it's interesting to me, Jesus' response. He just ignored what they said and just went on to another village. Now this is the Son of God. Somebody should have been given a place to stay. And he could have demanded that, done whatever he wanted. I mean, think about it. He kind of got to that village and said, all right, who said that? Who's, who's not letting me in the house? <laughs> who wants to volunteer? You know, okay, <laughs> that one burns. <laughs> okay, who else? Who want to give us a place to stay now? Remember, i can gonna have to build this. <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> he rebukes them. He says, okay, we'll go into to the next place. They probably had to walk a distance. Oh, how humble of heart, but also being an example of how we're to be, right? How we're, we're to be, right? You would think Jesus would have given up on his disciples. We probably would have taken them out of the program for a while so they could get a little bit more seasoned. <laughs> oh. Then Jesus turns right around and he appoints 72 other knuckleheads. I put novices there, but novices <laughs> to do the same thing and told them, Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers in his harvest field. So he does it again. You thought, man, get a little gun shy, you know. Most pastors would do that, you know. Somebody in your staff wants to commit murder, you know. (laughs) I'm a little concerned about your attitude, brother. Maybe you need to get out of the children's ministry for a while. So he points to 72. Let's read about the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. That isn't too comforting. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Evidently they used to have these really lengthy uh, greetings and stuff and salutations. And all, just keep going. Get to your destination. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking, whatever they give you. For the worker deserves his wages. The worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. It's interesting, by the way, for you that don't know, this is the way the gospel spreads around the earth right now in these rural areas and hamlets where the gospel is moving. It's always the same. Uh, there's a house, house that becomes kind of the host house, and the worker goes in there, and they stay there for a while and enjoys the hospitality, and meanwhile he does signs and wonders and evangelism all kinds of things. This is so prevalent. You would think, you know, maybe not in our culture, but in other parts of the world where the gospel is really moving, this is the way it's done from one end of the earth to the other especially when guests come in. And these guests are apostolic, prophetic people, people that are very powerful. They receive them into their homes, and they, they equip the church that way. When you enter a town and are welcome, to eat what is offered to you, heal the sick who are there, and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet is a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. So he didn't get them then. He gets them on the backside, evidently, right? Especially if they didn't, it wasn't just a matter of didn't do hospitality. It was they were closing their door to Jesus, to the gospel, to God. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. They were accountable. See, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon than, and the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Then the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons, even the demons submit to us in your name. And so if you look at the next two verses, so they were pretty impressed with the devil part, right? So he just gives them a little correction again. He says, you know what? I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. He says, but listen, don't rejoice that the Spirit submits you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's the key point. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And then he tells them how blessed they are. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Now, Pause there. See, God likes this. He likes to use us. He likes us to use us in these dimensions. It fills him full of joy. It makes him excited. It still makes him excited. It didn't stop making him excited. He likes it. He could see what was going to happen. He could see what was going to happen in the future, where millions and millions of people would come through the same method. Uh, a worker comes in a town, a sign of winter happens, people get converted all through the centuries, all through the centuries. And this little pattern that we see here is not decreasing. didn't happen way back then, it's increasing, getting stronger than they ever could have dreamed about throughout one part of the world to the other. We are in a massive move of the Holy Spirit. Hundreds and hundreds of of millions of people have been swept into the kingdom in just the last 30 to 40 years. And it just continues to move faster and faster and faster. It's just an incredible thing. And it's all the same. God likes to use people and work through them to do miracles and signs and wonders and worship and all the rest. At that time, Jesus is full of joy. By the way, it's nice to know that this gives him joy. That's the key thing, right? He's happy with the whole deal. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Uh, See, thing is, even though I mentioned the warehouse, you know, we're left in this very uncomfortable situation because we have seen probably, I don't know what the number is by now, but it's got to be way over 50 uh, people healed of cancer there. And we've seen other, one thing after another, the miracles and like I keep saying, you know, I just got to get this tent closer and closer to the back room over there where most of them have. But now they're happening in here, so we're okay, right? So we just want to connect these two somehow. But it's not the spatial thing, it's the situation where we're just doing this in the midst of these people who are in great need and need healing, need deliverance, need these things to happen. But it little tweaks your brain a little bit because God really likes to do this. but He likes to use the humblest of situations and the humblest of people and He likes to do it. And so sometimes I go, man, I, I don't understand understand like god are you just like like wow you just don't like us as much as them or what what's the deal like couldn't you just get all of us more you know heal at see the level that we see there but and um so i think it's improving but i still say that a lot of uh, activity that we see Prophetic word, supernatural activity, goes on over there, and it's so humble. If you sit there and watch it, it is so humble, it's ridiculous. It's like you always think there's going to be fireworks or whatever, just the simplest thing. You know, somebody goes over and prays for them. They come back, hey, you know, I had cancer like for three months, but I just went to the doctor and I don't got it anymore. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> you thought at least there would be a firework or a spark or something like, a, you know, just alert, 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 cancer healing, cancer healing, you know. In our video world, this is the way we're put together, but God's world isn't like that. So that gives lots of room for all you humble people. Right? But if you're... Anyway, never mind. (laughs) It's just so amazing. And I'm so blessed. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Then He said to His disciples and, and said, He turned to His disciples and said, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. And in small ways, smaller than certainly this, this is the coming of the Messiah, but I feel like that. Just when you get an eye for the way God moves and you pay attention, which is, by the way, an incredible way to get answers to your own prayers. Pay attention. Pay attention to what's happening to other people and appropriate it for yourself understand that when God does a miracle or something it's for the whole community you know and and so many people don't even miss the little things it's too little you know they don't don't see a little thing happening in a corner and think of it as relevant to them but could I just say it's so relevant to you cuz God really likes this stuff and yeah the delivery systems on the corner humble but God gives grace to the humble so we have to learn to walk like this and to account for this and pay attention in this kind of um uh uh understanding because God likes to repeat things. He likes to do one miracle and another and another, but it's God's people get so discouraged and they, they, they hold their mouth away and think it has to happen a certain way. But if it happens in one corner of the church, it'll happen in another corner of the church. That's why I pay attention so much because I need lots of miracles myself and intervention, right? Jesus is now looking, not looking for perfectly qualified people. (laughs) He's looking for people with heart with boldness and who are a work in progress. I like this passage especially around here. It's Proverbs chapter 14 verse 4. You ever read this passage and wondered what it meant? (laughs) When there are no oxen the manger is empty but from the strength of an ox come abundant harvest. So like Oxen aren't the cleanest animals. We want to antisepticize the church too much. But actually, I want a nursery. Nurseries are chaotic. <laughs> right? New life's chaotic. It grows everywhere. Right? Maybe you have this favorite plant it just keeps growing and growing. It grows out of control. First thing you know, it's out of control. Life is like that. But you know what, when there's no oxen, the manger is empty, right, but when there's oxen, you might not have, you might have a few problems, there might be some people learning, and we might be kind of, you know, just trying to figure out things with a person, or they're just trying to figure out, like, for example, when a person first begins to move in the prophetic, it's a very puzzling experience. Because they begin to hear God's voice a little bit, you know, and then something happens and they realize that was God's voice, but it wasn't what they expected. They were thinking, you know, and then they go over here and they think, well, maybe I should do this and then maybe not hearing enough from the Lord. So let's drum it up a little bit. Let's get, you know, and and even in our time, I told the guys yesterday morning, our time that we're at right now, prophetic ministry and hearing God's voice is so important. It'll save our life in the future. So we've had a lot of prophetic activity, saying a lot of things about a lot of elections and everything you can imagine. Just give them some space because they're learning. They're learning. Pray for them. Pray for it. Pray for this voice. We need this voice. We're going to need it more and more down the line, but it's a little like... There's some stuff, you know. It's a little dirty right now. It's not pristine. And even though... A word is given sometimes. One thing I learned is that God doesn't always just say specifically even when he wants you to know something. Sometimes he just says it generally or kind of over over there and then you're supposed to figure it out. We want everything in nice, even lines, especially in a culture like South Orange County, but it's a little messier because we are messier. (laughs) That's one of the big reasons, right? And also God gives grace to the humble, right? So the last thing on the outline. So this wasn't the first time God had trouble finding people uh, for his program, right? He's always looking for someone who will build the wall and stand before him on behalf of the land so he won't have to destroy it. So what I'm talking about is Ezekiel 22, and I'm going to use that for reference, but what I'm talking about is prayer is one of the key things that God uses ordinary people to do to cause mountains to move and um, the problem with prayer it's so lowly so simple and seems so unemotional that people miss it altogether. and also we pray once hoping th- something will stick but we don't understand part of the definition of prayer itself is keep on asking keep on seeking keep on knocking watch 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 keep on keep on don't give up don't give up persevere 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 right that doesn't look so great. I, that's like work. <laughs> I just want to be able to say it. Should I be able to just say it and then it happens? Well, sometimes it does happen like that. But look at Ezekiel 22. The people of the land, verse 29, practice extortion and commit robbery. They oppress the poor and needy and mistreat the foreigner, denying them justice. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me. Jesus, why don't you just do it yourself? God, no, I'm always looking for someone to build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. And I think what's implicit in that verse is two things. One is God wanted some justice bringers in terms of bringing natural justice in the land, right? True government, Honest weights, balances, honesty between each other. But also there's something here also that's in here and, and it's a prayer. It's prayers like that. A prayer is standing the gap on behalf of even an entire nation. This is why I've got a lot of confidence. I believe that the church in the United States has been praying now more than ever before. And even though some things have happened that we would have rather have, wouldn't have happened, and we'd rather, you know, depending on where you're, you are on the spectrum, but some things have really been disappointing me. But the question is, it's not that. The question is whether you're going to keep staying in the gap and in heaven's place stand in the gap. Are you going to complain? Well, okay, maybe you should complain. Maybe there's something needs to be that, and some truth needs to come out. But I think probably at least as much as we complain, we should be interceding for those that are in power now, for things that are happening physically, or the COVID-19 crisis, how that's being handled, for all the rest. Have you prayed for Governor Newsom lately? Yeah. yeah. Even the ones that signed that petition? <laughs> Maybe you signed it and prayed. I don't know. But God's so big... He can change Governor Newsom or whoever's heart needs to be changed, if that's your opinion, right? Maybe it's not your opinion. Maybe you think you're just doing a fine job. But nevertheless, I think we would all say, we could all agree, no matter what party we're from or uh, appeal to or whatever, that our nation has been a little bit uh, tumultuous and is a little bit of trial right now, right? And so the answer to that is standing in the gap. And look at this. I looked for someone. i I'm looking. Hey, I'm looking. You guys are having a hard time down there. I can see that. You know, the COVID thing's driving you crazy. I'm looking for, is there anyone there who will stand the gap before me so so we don't have any more destruction? I don't know why God does it this way. You give them something to eat. I'm not sure why that's a big deal. Why couldn't he just let the food fall from heaven? Why couldn't he just give it out? Why couldn't, you know, you give them something to eat. It's a partnership. It's a beautiful partnership too, right? It's a beautiful partnership. Look at Second Chronicles, chapter seven. Something related to what I just, uh, just said, and it's about prayer. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, this one is so so important. It's related to what I just said, but I want to read these uh, verses so we can just get the gist of this. So this is Solomon. He's dedicating the temple. It's always a nice temple. Beautiful. You know, they are very proud of it. A lot of money spent on it. But that's really not the key. The key is this was a house of prayer. So he says, God says to him, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. But listen to this. He didn't say if. He said when because he knew the people would do this. He knew they would sin. He knew the country would get in a bad place and he had to discipline it. When I shut up the heavens when I shut up the heavens, when trouble comes, same for us, when COVID-19 comes, we're going to see that in a minute, so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So it's also an incredibly relational place. Listen to what he says. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I'm I'm attached to you. Yes, it's a temple, but here's the thing. I'm attached to you. But I need to hear you attached to me. I want you to come to me. I want you to come boldly, as the scripture says, to a throne room of grace. And tell me what you need. You see, the thing is, we can't waste any amount of time being ticked off or mad or angry to the place where we stop praying, whether you're an individual or whether it's corporately. I've chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. And by the way, there's two temples in the New Testament sense. There's this temple, the gathering of saints, but there's the temple of your body. You're also a temple. So when we pray, when we intercede, guess what? God recruited us, and he begins to do things in our lives. God's program isn't for ordinary people to carry. God's program is for ordinary people to carry out a supernatural agenda. And my favorite story about all this is Jonah. <laughs> so God calls Jonah to warn Nineveh, but Jonah didn't want Nineveh to repent and went the opposite direction. So he told him to go east, and Jonah gets on the first ship west, out of there, right? And so he had to get uh, uh, swallowed by a fish and burped up on the shore and then he felt led to go to Nineveh. (laughs) And I just think that whole thing is really funny for us. It wasn't funny for for Jonah. And the issues actually are are funny for us in retrospect, but for him we're absolutely serious. Why? Because this is before Nineveh invaded Israel and he could see that eventually they were going to have to deal with Nineveh on their doorstep. And sure enough, it happened. But this is like 60-something years before. Being the prophet he was, he didn't want anything to do with Nineveh. You know, He wanted Nineveh to get judged before they made it to Israel, right? Because he knew how trouble Israel was in. So he didn't want Nineveh to repent. And he goes the opposite direction. And so he felt led to go after he was burped up on the shore. So here's a big question. Okay. He goes the opposite direction. He's so stubborn, he's got to get swallowed by a fish. Then why would God still use Jonah, and why would God care about the Ninevites? These were nasty, horrible people, and Jonah was disobeying, but he brought both of them together, and when he preaches, Nineveh repents, much to his dismay, and he's still mad about the whole thing. He's still mad about the whole thing, which makes me laugh so hard because it, it's so, so funny. These people in the Bible, you know why these, this book was written? is because they're people like us. Oh, yeah, they might have different language, different clothes, have a little different customs. But in nature, in the way they face life, it's just like us. And the more we can see that as we read through the pages of the book, the more this book is going to do us good, right? And so I want to just read this uh, from, uh, from Find Jonah, wherever it's tucked away in all these pages here. All right. So Jonah 3.10 When God saw that they did what, what they did and how they turned from their evil ways so he preaches they repent his shock he shocked but he actually suspected they might and they completely let go of their violent ways they, they, they tear their clothes they oh no what are we going to do he relented God relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened always give room even for us some people think, well, the United States, they've gone too far, you know, or down this path. I don't listen one minute to that, because it's not scriptural. First of all, how are you prophetic enough to know what God thinks? Second of all, God changes his mind quite often, I can see it in the scriptures. And third of all, who makes him change his mind? Me, and you, all of us. Especially when he sees his own kids say, God, I'm sorry. Have mercy on us. God, we, we, we repent, we're, we're sorry, He didn't bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Now the destruction was real. But oh my goodness. What an amazing thing. The whole point of you give them something to eat is that you have something to say about all of this. In our land. No matter what it is. In your own life. In your own family. You have something to say. Right? (laughs) And this is really funny because Jonah is really mad about this whole thing. He's really mad. You know, Our nation is really divided. We have lots of problems. But you may consider certain factions of our culture your enemy. But if you leave it there, it isn't going to do anybody any good. You should cry out for them, expect them to change. And if you need to change a few things, maybe be open to that as well. So Jonah didn't quite make that (laughs) leap. It took him a while. But to Jonah this seemed very wrong and became very angry. How many see, feel right in this time we're in right now something very wrong happened and we're very angry? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God and I don't feel like having compassion on them. You fill in the blank for them for you. Slow to anger and abounding in love of God who relents from sin and calamity. I know who you are. I know you. I'm smart. I know. I've been hanging around you for years. I know what you do. I know what your kind is, God. <laughs> you're new, you're too nice. These people, you know, I know my own family and my own relatives in Israel. You know, we're in big trouble, you know, and these guys are gonna give it to us. And I just I just see the future. I can see what's gonna happen here. Now, Lord, take away my life. It's better for me to die than to live. <laughs> he was really upset at this. <laughs> I bet some people that are that upset at the, the uh, election. They would just rather die right now. I mean, it's just like ridiculous. Come on. Come on. There's bigger prey here to roast. There's an anointing. There's power in us. If you stop being the church, then you should be wringing your hands. But as long as you're the church, as long as we're alive and well, and you're alive and well in your faith. Guess what? Change can come. Jonah knew it full well. Jonah knew really well. But the Lord replied, "Is it right for you to be angry?" Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. <laughs> then he makes himself this little shelter and he sits in its shade. He's waiting to see what really would happen to the city. Some of you were like that with the election, <laughs> sitting in the little shade, waiting, right? Waiting to what happen. you know? Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow over at Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very, very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Man, he was really melancholy, man. He was really... a But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about that plant? You're so angry about the plant. It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. (laughs) Jonah, won't you tell us what you really feel? (laughs) Right? (laughs) But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than hundred and twenty thousand people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? They can't tell the right from the left. Hmm. Right left. I've been hearing that a lot. They can't tell their right hand from their left. <laughs> yeah, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> and also many animals. Shouldn't I be concerned? Yes. But John didn't want to be concerned. (laughs) What a mystery that God uses people like you and I. Beware. (laughs) Beware. God likes to use you and I. We are some of the answer to our problems. We have more to say than we know about our situation. Right? Amen. Let's all stand. You give them something to eat. So, Lord, we just take responsibility for our country, our county, our family, our household, our marriage. And, Lord, we just intercede for it. And we want to work with you, the miracle worker. You sent us to the highways and the byways to reap a harvest, to influence our culture, to change things around. Lord, we volunteer. Help us to see. Help us not to get into these negative places like Jonah was. Help us, Lord, to see the possibilities. Possibilities for change and rearrangement in our culture and our life. And so, Lord, just as we're standing here before you, we just ask you, please, heal our land of this COVID crisis. Drive it out of here, Lord. Jesus' mighty name. Just remove it right from Orange County. We want to thank you. I noticed that there's been some progress this last week or so uh, with COVID in our county. Just drive it. Keep it going all the way down. No new cases, no deaths. Just drive it out of our area, Lord, In Jesus' name. And Lord God, help us. Help our president. I pray for him, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus and his cabinet and all those around him. helping him to make good choices. Help him. Have mercy on him. Help him. Help him his family, Lord. We pray, God, that you would channel his heart like water. In Jesus' name. Lord, and most of all, we just want great government in our country, Lord. We want to be free, Lord. We don't want to be manipulated by demons or demonic things or demonic people or systems. I pray you'd break apart every system, Lord, that threatens to control in an ungodly way in our country, be it a foreign power or be it uh, the media or whatever it is. And, Lord, we put this all fully in your hands. And I pray, God, you would cause a great revival of prayer, a great revival, Lord, of prayer uh, and your prayer army and in people who speak the truth and the people who are in places of influence. And Lord, let this nation be one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. That's the way you like it. In Jesus' mighty name, we lift up these public things and then every private thing in us that hasn't moved, every job issue that just seems to plague us, every illness that's confusing us, Every child that doesn't know the Lord, we hold them up before you. Lord, we are going to volunteer today to be the solution and not part of the problem. And certainly on the prayer end, Lord, one that stands in the gap. In Jesus' mighty name, we lift all these things up to you, all the private things and all the public things. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.